Everybody, welcome to Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of casino, the show of American Gangster and Angels Envy Bourbon. Today's guest is Larry Miller of the Second. I got to tell you, a lot of the time Larry and I are chatting, I'm thinking we're writing a new Martin Scorsese movie. His father being in the Black Mafia in Harlem, moving to Florida, and somehow they still find him and they still blow up a car. Not to kill him, not to kill his dad. To symbolically lay a message down. It was a great chat with Larry. He's been in Austin a long time seeing it develop, seeing it advance. Talks about a nice stint at the Belmont. We talk about Pesce, of course. And we talk about his new project and him working at Burn on the East Side. So let me not interrupt any further. And I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Larry Miller the second. Uh, an expiring rapper. Yeah, how'd that, how'd that end up? Uh, you know, I uh, I moved around a lot, so uh, I left, came to Texas in '91. Oh, really? Okay. And I got with some guys that rapped when I was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I rapped a little bit, but the guys that I hung out with, we danced. Oh, so, uh, like so di- like stuff that I could never do, like dancing, dancing? Hip-hop dancing, step dancing. Oh, yeah. All that kind of stuff. So I did talent shows, stuff like that with dancing and wasn't really into rap. Yeah. But I did do, I mean, I actually performed. Like, I was at, in the same circle of guys. It's like, you know, like Outkast and all those Goody Mob and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. I went to school with all those guys. No shit. So, uh, so yeah, so I was in that sort of the same sort of circle of, of, of people except where I was dancing. Yeah. So, and then I moved to Texas and... uh and then the circle of guys I was with mm-hmm. uh, wanted to rap. And so I started rapping. Only thing was, I came with like a more East Coast, uh, you know, positive back rap style. Yeah, yeah. And then I was rapping in talent shows in, in Austin where it's like the, it was the Texas style. Yeah. And, you know, I, a few people felt me, the, the, the lyricists felt me, mm-hmm. but the... The rest of the crowd, they just weren't. What, did, what do you think it was? Was it like timing? Was it style? Were we too third coast shit down it, here? It was, yeah, it was. Yeah, I wasn't saying bitches and hoes. I yeah. wasn't talking about bitches and hoes and cars and clothes. Man, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was talking about. What well, sucks you know, that like if you, well, no, I want to talk about. I want like to talk about apartheid. Yeah, like let's talk <laughs> yeah. about meaningful stuff. Like, nah. yeah. Nah. So, what were? You, why did you move around so much? Was it folks in the military? Just. That's, I mean, if you want to call it street military, my father was a gangster and we were always no running kidding. from his problems, you know. No shit. So we moved to Florida when I was younger because, you know, he had problems, you know. Yeah. He, did, did he develop enemies, as they say? Oh, yeah. He yeah. Ran, you know, he ran with the Black Mafia. And, no shit. Uh, you know, he was from Harlem. He ran with that crowd. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the problem with, you know, being a gangster is, you know, when things are good, well, a lot of them they're great, right? They're 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 good, but they don't they're not necessarily home. Mm. You know, they're off running off, and then when things get bad, 
when they're running the money, when they're running the drugs, they come yeah. home, you know. Yeah. And then he was an abusive asshole. Not to us, to us, but to my mom. Yeah. So uh, that's part of the reason why I moved around a lot. Like, we moved to Florida. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, everything caught up with him there, though. Is it, is it like, so how does, th- I was just thinking about this the other day. Oh, man, what I was watching something, some mafia movie. And I was like, oh, no, I was watching A Time to Kill. You ever seen that movie? Oh, Matthew yeah. McConaughey, right? So yeah. there's this big clan movement. There's a big uprising now in, in whatever, Madison County, Canton, I think is the city. Sure. And I'm like, well, what if I just moved to like Plano? Are those fuckers going to follow me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> are, are they? You know? I mean, so you go from, not maybe you, but your dad goes from Harlan to Florida. Do they find him? Yeah, they, they found him. How they, did they fucking do that? They found him. His story was, and you never know, what his story was, you know, they 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 set the car on fire or they put a bomb on the car no you know, kind of like the you know casino you seen a movie a casino or yeah, American Alex, gangster yeah. where they blew up the car you know yeah. kind of let them know hey we know where you are so it wasn't it wasn't an assassination attempt it was like a tap on the shoulder saying you we know exactly we know where you are wow. bring us some fucking money Jesus you know, my mom got kidnapped uh, a couple times when I was when I was a child when I was little no you know they, they they kidnapped her and. You know, we lived in upstate New York and they took yeah, her to yeah. the city and, you know, one of the times she got kidnapped, they, they held her for a good week or so. No shit. And then uh, my father never came through, though. <laughs> what is, and so they what just let he her do? go just on like, the street. Well, Larry, I think she's going to be gone for a couple <laughs> yeah, of weeks. you know. Wait, so, so how did that get resolved? Did he end up paying up or just borrow money or what? I mean, no, he just, I mean, eventually somebody caught him and then he went to jail. And then sometimes when you go to jail... That stuff washes away, or you oh, do somebody okay. a favor, yeah, and then you know, and then it washes. So, Man. so uh, yeah, that's when we moved to Florida. And then when uh, we were in Florida, uh, they he my mom finally got fed up. They got yeah. divorced. We moved back to New York. So, so, how old were you in Florida? I was uh, I was nine. Nine, okay. Yeah, and I, so I lived you there from like seven to nine years old. Gotcha. We're in Florida, Tampa. My, Tampa. Oh shit. Tampa. Yeah. It's a it's a special place. It's a very special place. <laughs> it was it was a special place, special time. It was something about the humidity like puts people at each other's throats. I, there. I don't know if it's that. It's, it's just a mixture of cultures. And yeah, it's always been probably for hundreds of years. Yeah, you know, yeah, for thousands of years. Just the the mixture of cultures that go to that place. That's I mean, crazy. You talk about white trash in Florida. Uh-huh. Oh my god, <laughs> a know? new a new level of oh, white a trash. Different level. Like I'm we like, think we know that shit in Texas, it's but pretty deep. It's kind of like upstate New York white trash. It's really? really really deep. I would never think that. Uh, I it, haven't been there too many times, but I wouldn't think there's a lot of white trash in upstate New York. But there is. There is. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. it's in old old cultures. Old no cultures. kidding. Florida's got those old weird cultures. My uh, my mom. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. My mom. Uh, when my father was locked up, uh-huh. my mom was a really attractive woman. They called yeah. her Big Red. She was she was tall. She was light skinned. Yeah, you know, yeah. Pretty hair, pretty eyes, and uh, she always dated you know really really cool guys. You know, mm-hmm. she dated the used car salesman and you know we, <laughs> the we persuasive always, guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was always you know so we were, she was he always had her in a, in a nice car. You know, yeah, he was driving around nice. That's not bad car. for her. And then she dated a, uh, the police detective. Whoa, the police department really. And, uh, you know, he seemed to treat her nice, take her out, do fun yeah, things. Yeah. But he always had his partner with him. Wait, what? And then he, and then he always had these other two guys around. And this was in the 80s in yeah. Florida. So, you know, they were all Miami Vice. Miami style. Vice. Yeah, absolutely know? Miami and, Vice. Uh, my mom always had these intuitions. So, like, you know, she broke up. She broke it off with this guy because uh-huh. she felt weird about it. And then a couple of weeks later, we're sitting there watching the news. We're watching or we're watching TV all yeah, together. Yeah. And uh, those guys' faces pop up on the screen like, hey. 
These guys got busted for selling drugs. Oh, doing shit. a bunch of foul shit. <laughs> was it just backup he had all the time? Like, kind of bodyguard yeah, shit? Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, you know, they always had something going on. That's insane. You know, well, so uh, what was your uh, your dad locked up for then, ultimately? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Multiple, don't even know. Multiple things. Lots of good stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, drugs, prostitution, robbery. Yeah. Yeah, he always, yeah, he always had prostitutes around. That was one of his things. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Just that's, a, that's something. Multiple I, things. Now it may be a bad thing, but a guy with a, a broth, like a, a harem around him, he's gonna have power. You ever yeah. notice that? Like dudes oh, with yeah. just like a group of girls around them, they always have power for some oh, reason. Oh, definitely. I mean, I was been, I was always impressed with that. You know, it is uh, kind of like in a bad way, in a sense. But it's it is it's fucking impressive. It is impressive. I mean, yeah. Hitler was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had the, you know he was able to. Persuade. There were lots of white people around Hitler. <laughs> he the, fucking love that guy. Yeah, 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 he was able to persuade lots yeah. of people. You know, it, it, it's a good that comes. That's from a good that. point, Larry. It's impressive. It didn't end up so good, and he didn't use that kind of coolness for positive things. Exactly. Let's put it that way. Well, so you're you're like you said eight or nine. You're you're in. Florida. How was the experience for you? Do you like living in Florida? I mean, I like living in Florida because we were close to a beach. Yeah. Um, but there was just, like I said, always just something about the people. My grandmother was mean. Um, <laughs> you know. Your mom's mom? No, it wasn't my mom's mom. It was my dad's mom. Oh. He didn't like my mom. Cause well, I, I guess because they're divorced, wife. right? Like, yeah. yeah. It was, well, my, my, well, not bef- it was while they were still together, but my mom was the second wife. Mm-hmm. And my, my grandmother... Miss Sidnor, she like the first wife, so she didn't like my mom, and she she's like, I wish you were the first. Wife. Yeah, she just oh, was shitty. mean. And she was mean to us. She was just a mean person. Yeah, and uh, you know, I just had a lot of weird experiences in Florida. It's like the beaches were great, and it was cool to be able to go to the beach all the right. time, but just a lot of weird experiences, like you know, racist things, you know, racist neighbors. And, yeah. You know, people is it like kind of subversive? Or is it like on me incredible? Just, is it like really overt? It's yeah, it was it pretty is. blatant. I mean, it was in the eighties too, so yeah. you, know, it, it, you could do that. And it was, it was just you know, there's a lot of weird experiences to where we were ready to get the hell out of there. Yeah, you know, as soon as possible and get back to New York. And then, Up, uh, upstate at that point. Yeah, yeah. where about in, in New York? Albany. Oh, Albany. Okay. Capital. So yeah, so we moved back to Albany, and she got she finally divorced him, uh, and moved back to Albany, and uh, yeah, and they were there for about three years or so, three or four years, mm-hmm. and my mom got. Uh, remarried again yeah and then uh we moved to atlanta or college park georgia outside of atlanta how far, about how far out, out of atlanta is it i'm just pretty close minutes, i don't know like 30 minutes up yeah suburb of it i guess right yeah. and so you were kind of like early teens at that point yeah i moved there i spent my high school years in atlanta so or in college oh, okay. park so uh, i moved there when i was 14 and uh well, i left atlanta or college park when i was 17 okay so you're about out of school then yeah. at that point yeah. Man, it's tough. Like, I had to move right in junior junior yeah. year. It's well, not good. The, the thing for me, it was, you know, it was uh, culture shock, you know. What's uh, so different about it? Well, I mean, going, coming from upstate New York to uh, to College Park, Georgia, like, mm-hmm. just the language, you know, it wasn't so oh. much the culture. I mean, I was used to being around a lot of people, you know. The, right, the right. Neighbor, the neighborhoods are really, really, really segregated, though. Are they like his school get seg- relatively S- segregated? School was too? a five A school. We had five thousand students. Oh wow! At the beginning of the year, like I remember, there was eleven white students. At the end of the year, there was three white students, one Cuban. No shit. It was all black, but uh, but we had a white principal. No kidding. Yeah. Do you feel like he was kind of fighting an uphill battle with it, or just you do what you do as a principal? 
no matter what. Yeah, well, it was just it was just the politics of of, of that area. Yeah, like the politics of like, of course we have a white principal, and of course you know when when one of the black kids got in trouble for having sex on a school property, they got expelled. But when the white kids had got in trouble, slap for on the hand, sex, yeah, yeah on post school property, they got a slap on the hand. That's so shitty. And so there was a there was a lot of there was a lot of boy boycotts and protests and yeah that was a that was an interesting experience was it so it was like really really obvious how was, fa- how favoritism and, and and race like racism in the, in the sense of like favoritism you know definitely definitely and you just saw it you saw it all around you you know mm-hmm. saw it all around you you would be you know you you'd go to the to a mcdonald's and you know you just see how there's all black workers but then there's a white manager yeah you it's know, so like, strange how can that be in this yeah. neighborhood there's it, this neighborhood's 95 percent black yeah you know there's there's you know half a million people in this in this and somehow the, all the like the higher ranking positions like how how do white. that's so you strange know, it just and and it was so segregated and, and black people hated white people and white people hated black people and it was obvious what do you where do you think the 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 hatred came from like know, is just, it just set that way like you you step into a situation it, the the socioeconomic stature of the place just puts people at odds with each other it's ingrained i mean it's it's ingrained in that culture you yeah. know it's been going on for that's the dirty Long stuff. time man it's yeah. been going on for hundreds of years so this you're just taught that you know yeah i mean i was taught to that to a, a certain amount you know i i fought it but i was taught that to a certain amount but it was more like uh don't trust whitey you know really you know you wake you grew up like that like you know don't trust the white person yeah yeah trust white man what you know what are you doing with them what are they gonna you know they're, so they're, the they're always out yeah and so in atlanta because it's, a, it's a, such a large black population and they're so uh politically strong uh-huh they are really outspoken about it and really just mean about it you know really it went to the extreme i mean there was a there was an incident in in a uh, high school that I went to, North Clayton High, where um, there was a, there was some you know some kid he's picking up his girlfriend, uh-huh. and this school was probably like this school was probably uh, eighty twenty you know okay okay eighty percent black twenty yeah. percent white, and uh, you know it's this white guy he's picking up his white girlfriend, and you know he pulls up to the school, and we're all hanging out after school, and everybody's just being kind of rowdy as teenagers do, sure sure, and he says somebody says something to him. And he rolls out the N word. Fuck you. you what know, the fuck? That's really? What they, yeah, you just that's, escalated it. Yeah, it does, they, they didn't. Have, I didn't never see a, a white person in it when I lived in Georgia. Yeah. In those times, have a problem using the N word, no matter what. No matter, they take a beating for it. They didn't care. This this that, guy, that was what? What? What do you think they're trying to achieve by doing that? You think that it's so like that? It's to the the to the bones. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Is that what they're trying to do? Yeah, they, they, they want this power of you. Like, they're just, yeah. they're just belittling you. And, yeah. and, like, we literally uh, chased him into his car and flipped his car over oh, in front fuck. of the school. How many people did it take to flip his car I over? I don't know. It's probably about seven of them. That's instead. insane, though, that you guys yeah. had that strength. That well, kind I mean, of obscured we though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody got into it. Do you remember was, what kind of car it was? I'm thinking like four tourists, It was like a Ford yeah. Escort or something. It was a pretty yeah, small something car. Small, yeah, <laughs> it completely. was a small car. But, I mean, it, that was just one of those places where that people, like, black people didn't didn't hesitate to stand up for themselves yeah. at all. You know, it's it's different. It's different here. It's different in a lot of different places. Yeah, you know? I learned that. You know, living in four states, growing up in four different states, like I mm-hmm. learned that this is there's different. There's different political structures. Totally different dynamic. Like yeah. Austin, man, and it's hard talking about race just in general. But the, I'll put it this way: the good thing, at least right now, 
is in Austin and Texas in general. We got a lot of different races going on. Yeah. And it's good because there's lots of different cultures. I mean, you can you get exposed to so much more now than when yeah. you, when you would have when it was when we were younger. You know? oh, well, at least in Austin, people are respective of other people's cultures. You know, yeah. that's that's a great thing. You know, it's it's not like that in a lot of places. No, it's you can not. be yourself in Austin, well, no mm-hmm. matter who you are, what you are, where you come from, and yeah. be accepted. Where you know, in a lot of places, it's not like that. It is good that way, right? Mm-hmm. So, so when you came into Texas, where'd you move into Texas? Uh, I first landed in Round Rock, Texas. No shit. Yes, I moved <laughs> from uh, College Park, Georgia, uh-huh. to Round Rock, Texas. In it 19... begs the question, Larry: What the fuck is in Round Rock at that point to come <laughs> yeah. move to Round Rock? So, I, you know, we 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 made a choice. You know, my mom got divorced again. Uh-huh. Uh Because that guy was an asshole. He was a dick too. And uh, she got divorced again, and you know she said, "Well, um, you know, it's either New York or Texas." Yeah. My aunt, she moved around a lot. She like we kind of followed her to Georgia. Is it your mom's sister? Yeah. Yeah. And then she, uh, and then she moved to Texas, and she was living in Round Rock, and she had a big old house for us to stay at. Oh, and, cool. Uh, uh, she, you know, it was either New York or Texas. And she really was like, well, you know, I'm not going back to New York. You know, just yeah. had such bad history. Well, you got a good opportunity to start something new, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, uh, and so she gave me the options. It's like, well, do you want to go back to New York? Can you stay with your grandmother? Yeah. And my grandmother lived in a project. She lived in a projects all of her life. And, you know, it was, you know, either what, whatever neighborhood I was going to live in. It's just rough. You know, yeah. um, it's just rough. You know, you fight every day. Just to just to like exist, right? Just to say, just walking down the street, you have to deal with a lot of shit, you right. know. And uh, and it's cold, you know. Up it's it's <laughs> yeah, cold. Yeah. About. People, here's like an interesting question. Uh, sometimes when it rains really, really heavily, I think, man, no one gets serial murdered when it's raining really hard. No. They they still fuck with you in the At cold. At least not here. Yeah. Up, up there, yeah. And now people Doesn't are matter. still out and about. Shit. Well, <laughs> yeah. that just fucks my thesis And it sucks to fight in the cold when it's yeah. when it's snowing. It it's the worst, right? It's hard as hell, man. It's it, like it, it, you feel like we're we, we're so used to having things being comfortable that if just even if I wanted to commit a murder, if it's raining a lot, like well, I'll just wait till tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now people are so angry and upset in New York. They're just <laughs> ready, ready <laughs> for it to erupt. On. Yeah. Was the anger? Were you graduated from high school when you moved to Round Rock? Um, yeah, I actually graduated from Travis High School. No shit. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we moved to we moved there uh, to Round Rock because I didn't want to go to New York. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we got out of Round Rock as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, think about Round Rock in the nineties. It was it was the polar opposite of College Park, Georgia. It was ninety ninety percent white yeah maybe total suburbia right yeah eight percent hispanic and, and like two percent black <laughs> you know <laughs> is it and, did you like the change though no it was horrible it was horrible okay it was horrible i mean i, I you know i was in, in atlanta or college park i was able to hop on a train and go and go you know go downtown yeah and go shopping and go hang out at the mall oh you're stuck in round rock in round rock it was a, probably a mile and a half walk to a convenience store oh, really <laughs> you know? and i was walking past cattle and stuff and i wasn't used to that yeah i've never been around cattle i never <laughs> you know never seen a horse up luckily so. like I, I love animals for that reason they're not gonna fight with you no. they're pretty peaceful at least right yeah it's just it was just weird it was just you know I did you never... feel more at peace like in round rock no that you, no people still fucking with you like have to be on yeah, i mean it was you know it wasn't as it wasn't as bad there's a little bit of racism out there yeah i'm um, sure 
it but it was it's not as overt it's not as it's not as in your face yeah you know is that people, better or worse though it's kind of worse because yeah. you know i'd rather somebody would tell me in my face than like just kind of hint at you well they, they would do what they would like try i'd be walking to that fucking convenience store the mile away, and, away <laughs> and someone drive by in a pickup truck and yell nigger you know it's like well, jesus stop let's talk about it so you it's know, all just passive racism <laughs> you <know>? yeah, and, <laughs> and you get the like the doppler effect like, yeah. Rah! yes exactly like that's really, fucking that's that's really some I, spineless I, shit i saw a lot of that in texas so that that one thing so different yeah in georgia Florida, head on right they'll tell you right to your face no problem yeah <laughs> you know they'll take a beat for it or, or you know whatever no, no problem man. but it was always in texas it was always uh it was also always passive racism yeah like, and i guess that has its it's gonna have its effects long term on you man yeah it fucks yeah it fucks with you when someone screech, screeches by in their car and yells anywhere this is like what i don't understand <laughs> yeah it, it's uh, man it's like fucking insulting somebody on twitter you don't ever have to hold you don't ever have to be accountable for right. it really yeah. like uh, you just yeah. flip somebody off and you run exactly. away like a studio gangster like, yeah hey, that's exactly <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. if you have a problem it doesn't want you to bring it here yeah. <laughs> so when you got out of high school what, what kind of things were you doing were you in booze yet in the service industry um no actually um as as i was trying to be an inspired rapper um <laughs> but 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 artful rapper which sometimes does not yeah, work well right? right um i uh i just you know um just hung out with friends and smoked a lot of weed and mm. drank a lot of 40s and um try to you know figure it out yeah trying yeah. trying to figure it out and then i eventually got suckered into doing going into technical school because i was you know at the time too lazy to to want to do college yeah was it uh, electrical diagramming or something? I was reading about that. Yeah, I did computer-aided uh, design. The CAD uh, stuff? Yeah, I did yeah. CAD stuff, architectural design, uh, you know. Was that something uh, you are like, particularly interested in? Yeah, I, mean, I like, I like drawing. I like technical drawing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was, you know, kind of interested. Drawn to it? Uh, so that's that's what I did after after high school. How long were you in school for that? Um, it, took, it took a couple years. And... Um, the only problem with that was whenever I got out, it was um, it was one of those deals where there was a lot of old heads that were uh-huh. that were doing it, and yeah. so there wasn't a lot of room for for anybody younger to come in unless you wanted to move to another city. To do oh, it. no kidding! And so at the time, I was working at a convenience store, and I did some jobs. You know, I did some side jobs. I worked for ADT Security. Oh, cool! Okay, uh, drawing out like fireproofing plans. Yeah which is really easy um, and uh, did some other jobs, but um, you know, getting working in a convenience store and being like sort of outside talking to people yeah. around, like sheer customer stuff. service. If you yeah, think about it was it. actually just so much more rewarding and I was kind of a shy kid growing up. So it was, you know, helping me come out of my shell. Yeah. So and I, what you're like uh, 18, 19 or yeah. 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 I was like 19 and I was working in a convenience store and I was, I was, you know, like I worked at the, I worked at the Chevron on Town Lake in 35. No like, shit. Town Lake Chevron, like in 90. Pretty nice Chevron. 90, I mean, I don't know in 92, but. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I used, I used to work at that Chevron. I used to walk down Rainy Street all the time. I used no to, kidding. I used to take the bus downtown and I would walk 
through Rainy Street all the time. So it's so it's weird. Totally to different now, now, right? So, yeah, I remember like the old families that used to live there. That's crazy. You know, and, those ha- uh, some of those houses are still up there, but the families aren't there, there anymore, right? No, families aren't there anymore. It's now. It, well, now you go down there on a Saturday night and there's a bunch of Ubers. And it's yeah. Just a, bunch of, <laughs> like a bunch of white people. Bunch of white that way, dude. There's a whole lot around. of white people. Like, what? A lot of bros, a lot of douchebags. Weird, like, yeah. There's some great people, yeah, yeah. mind you, but... Yeah, so I found it more rewarding to actually just be in customer service and talking to people. Yeah. And so I did that for a while. And then uh, after that, <clears throat> after that, I went into, uh, I went to, I got a truck. Got my first truck. Mm-hmm. Um, pickup? Yeah, I got a yeah. pickup truck. And then I found Well, you're in Texas, why not? I went to Texas, right? <laughs> so I got a pickup truck and then I found out, I, I found a job being a courier driver. Oh, really? Um, And... uh so I did that for a couple of years. Like uh, carrying what? Organs, I hope? People's organs? What, whatever it took. Whatever. What's the strangest was, thing you it, had to transport? Well, um, um, I'll tell you the coolest thing. Yeah. So uh, one of the companies that we used a lot, I mean, we, so this was in the 90s. This yeah, was like yeah. 90, 94 to like 96 or so that mm-hmm. I did it. So this was in the, that first tech boom that we had. Right, right. And so there's all these companies pumping out stuff. So like, you know, you had Dell, I had 3M. Um, you know, AMD probably. AMD, yeah. Microsoft. Uh, uh, but there was also like, you know, uh, there was one company called Thailand that, that did these, these made these mass flow controls uh-huh. for semiconductors. Yeah, yeah. And they were fixing these things all these times. It always went, wow. So we were running they always... stuff back and forth. Yeah. Uh, and there was this one company called... Uh, Martin Decker, Varco. Martin Decker made. Um, <clears throat> oh, Farmco. You said Mar- no. Martin Decker Varco. Oh, Varco. Martin Decker Varco made instruments for offshore drilling. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, and and drill bits and instrumentation. Yeah. Um, but there was this one big project they had uh, that they made some sort of instrumentation for the space station. Uh huh. The International Space Station. Yeah. No shit. And so. And then there was also some kind of drill bits that were going to go on to like a Mars rover or something like that. No way. And so uh, they didn't tell me, though. You know, one of those Because <laughs> they don't want you taking them, right? They don't tell you. Yeah. You know, well, they just, they just, you know, they don't want to know how, they don't want you to know how expensive or how important <laughs> it is. But you can tell how many times they call you. Like, okay, yeah. they were like, okay, like, so t- t- tomorrow I need you to go to, uh, to College Station. Uh-huh. I need you to pick up this part and you got to go to Houston, pick up this other part and come back to Austin. I don't want you doing anything else. I don't want you, you know, yeah. <laughs> to stop anywhere. So you knew, you're like, something, <laughs> you know, something you know. important then, about this. Yeah. So, I, you know, so I go, I'm going to pick up, I go to College Station, and she's hitting me every 10 minutes. No shit. You Just know. calling you? Yeah, hit me. And we had, you know, it's like a, Pager still? a Nextel kind of thing. Oh, like, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's every 10 minutes. Like, what's your ETA? What's your 20? What's Whoa. your ETA? What's your 20? So I get to the College Station, I pick up some parts, and I go to Houston, I pick up some parts. And I go to this place, and it's in Cedar Park, mm-hmm. uh, Martin Decker. That's around here. It's in Cedar Park. I pull up to this plant, and I normally when I pull up to this plant, uh, there's a bunch of people around, but there are, a lot of them are old roughnecks, so it's it's a really rough crowd. Yeah, yeah. they don't pay you any attention. You like when you pull up, and you need your ticket signed. They just they, they don't, don't even they give don't, a shit. They, they don't give a doing shit. Their thing, they don't right? look at you. It's kind of yeah. like walking to a government office. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. They don't look at you. They don't they don't give a shit. They mostly try to ignore you. And uh, I pulled up, and there was I pulled around, and there was pretty much nobody around. I couldn't see anybody. Really? And so I pulled around to the back. <laughs> My dog interrupted us to see. 
was. So I pulled around to the back, and everybody from the whole entire plant was was outside. What the fuck? How and, many people are you talking? Like hundreds of people? I mean, there was probably about 70 people. And there was a flatbed. And the flatbed was just waiting. And everybody was what? waiting on me to deliver these parts. That's incredible. That were going to the fucking space. And so, station. like, how are they packed? Is it in a box? Is it, like, just a raw part with a tarp on top of it? They were all, they were all boxes. I mean, there was, you know, I think there was, you know, one part that was, like, this big, you know. I mean, it was, it was, it was all oh, fairly crazy. small. But there was one thing that was kind of big. I think it was, like, the drill bit or whatever that was, yeah. you know kind of big uh uh but they were like fairly small parts they were waiting for your ass they were to waiting show up for me yeah the whole entire plan oh, that's crazy and they had everything laid out and they were actually nice to me and they and they they you know they pulled me out to show me uh-huh. this this is basically like a like a like a little control room that, uh-huh. that this instrumentation was going to go into that they were right. waiting on so they were just waiting on that to for me to bring that part they were going to install that um and for it to go onto the flatbed to go to NASA. Holy shit, man. And so uh So we're gonna say it here that, that Larry had a, a a part in the Mars rover mission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's no, a, true story. That's that's insane. Like think about how uh, fuck scientifically breaking, how life altering that has been for everything. Those rovers have been insanely profound right. and helpful to humanity. And it gave you know? me a, a perspective on what I was doing. I mean and not only did I get to drive around my truck all the day yeah. and go to all these different cool places and see what, what, you know, what, how the, how the world was doing, how, what the world was producing yeah. by how much they were putting out by what I was getting, was picking up and delivering. Right, right. Um, but uh, just to, to see something like that, like, you know, you could take a small job like that, like a courier driver and, you know, one of the most important jobs. It is insanely <laughs> important, right? Yeah, it's, it's funny how it just fits into the whole process and yeah. how maybe, you know, it's like, ah, I don't want to transport thing from point A to point B. But if you hadn't, maybe it would have never happened. Exactly. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So did, when did you transition out of the courier stuff? Well, so after that, I uh, I went to work for a box company. It was one of the clients that we had. Uh-huh. It was a box company called Capital City Container. Okay. And, uh, Are they in, in Austin as they're well? They're in Buda. Buda. So one of their biggest clients was Dell. And I drove a box truck, like a 32-foot 30, uh-huh. uh, box truck. And uh, what I liked about that job was I drove the, the the area was sort of Austin and Central Texas. Yeah, yeah. So my day would start where I'd go to, I mean, I mean, like I drop off in Austin and then I'd go to Georgetown. And I'd come back and then I may drive out to Luling. Right, right, right. And then the next day I'd go to Kerrville and uh, come back through Blanco, maybe hit a spot in San Antonio. Yeah. So all over kind of te- all over Texas. Right? All over Texas. And uh, it was really cool being, not being from Texas because I got to go visit all the small towns. Yeah. Um, did you yeah. stop? Like, so do you have to go get lunch? <laughs> you have to oh, yeah. boundary, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's the fun part. Yeah, mean, you're a truck driver. That's what it's all about. It's Go all to about get lunch. Fucking what? Sandwich or ribs? What or a, what? Whatever. You yeah. Know, there's a place called Phil's Barbecue on Blanco, Texas. Uh uh-huh. Best fucking burgers I've ever really? had. Really? You know, you, you hit up your your guys like, hey, I'm going through Kerrville. Where do I eat? The original yeah, Yelp. You know, <laughs> fucking going truck to, drivers. Going to Luling. Where's that? You know. Yeah. So all that. Yeah. Barbecue. So did you <laughs> did you start to take to Texas? Did you kind of start to like it at that point? Now here's what I liked about it was. 
when I went to these small towns, and I've been through small towns like on the East Coast in Georgia. Yeah. Even when I was in New York, when I was on a track team, we traveled through Georgia and had some weird stuff happen. Mm-hmm. You'll do small towns in Georgia. You pretty much avoid small towns in Georgia. What's the, what's why? Why would you? I think I know why I might avoid them, but why would you avoid them? When you're black. If you're black, you avoid oh, small so, towns. Oh, so I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, okay. you're good. Oh, well, good. good you're good. Yeah, you're fine. That's horrible. Black. You're black, you're small, you avoid small towns. get the fuck, yeah, do Georgia. not go. Yeah, you stay to, stick to the cities. You do not stop if you need gas. You just hope you can make it. Oh, man, that's terrible. <laughs> that's know. horrible. Yeah, it's yeah, it's scary. Is it like that in Texas, too? No. Good. Except for East Texas. Oh, right, sure. <laughs> East Texas is pretty scary. But I visit these small places like Kerrville, mm-hmm. and you can always tell when people are racist when they don't look you in the eye. Is that what it is? They don't, they don't look you in the eye. Look down. You know, if they if they have to talk to you, yeah. Because like I said, there's passive racism in Texas. If they have to talk to you, they'll just avoid eye contact. You know, they'll they'll try to avoid having contact with. You. Really. Whereas, like I said, in Georgia, they just fucking tell you to your face, <laughs> which is kind of respectable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You can yeah. respect that. But uh, so I could tell, but there's, but I, I found that there's these, you know, these, in these small towns like Kerrville and Blanco and mm-hmm. um, Lockhart. And you talk about Luling too, right? Luling, yeah. uh, Victoria. You oh, know, yeah. There yeah. was just some real honorable Texans. And that made me really, real see the difference between a Texan, see what a real Texan is. Yeah. Um, well, we're know. used to, I mean, if you think about it, Hispanic culture is massive right. in Texas. Yeah. And you know what? It's, a lot of places, Hispanic culture, like, doesn't go over so well, right? Because white people are really, really, they're they're firmly dedicated sure. to their way of life. It's like, oh, man, the yeah. Mexicans moved into the neighborhood. But yeah. it's it's great here. It's yeah. part of the whole thing, it you is. know? It so is. I think, and I, you, yeah. I, I think a lot of places, like, spring it, man. Yeah. W- whatever you got. Right. I think, yeah, I mean, I think I dug into a little bit of Texas. I like history. I dug in a yeah. little bit of Texas history, you know, as I was on some of these journeys that I was, and I, and I saw that, like, I, you know, you saw that, you know, where... You know, back in the days when Texas, you know, annexed and, you know, um, Hispanics had, you know, right, voting rights. Yeah. And all these different things. Yeah. You know, they were considered white, so they were able to vote or whatever. You know, It's pro- it, it's actually pretty progressive, and you yeah. would never think. I, I still, East, I guess we can gerrymander East Texas out of the, the, yeah. the narrative and kind of keep it to the good parts, you yeah. know. But I might, so, you know, but ultimately I keep thinking, it's like, well, you, you have these great jobs. You're meeting a lot of people. I, I still presume like your soft skills are developing because you go into a place and you want to be friendly, get yeah. to know people and all that. At what point does it kind of transition into something behind the stick? Well, let's see. Where do or I is go it, from or there? It, it's like, well, I used to be a pop singer, but after that. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it go from there? Well, it went from, from there I went to, uh, I was a route sales guy. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'd take my convenience store experience and my truck driving experience. Yeah. I go into route sales. And you think about okay, route sales from a convenience store perspective is like okay, well, there's the Coke guy, right? There's the beer guy, the Lay's guy. There's the Lay's guy. Yeah, I love the Lay's guys. Those guys seem pretty relaxed. They do seem relaxed. Chips are a lot lighter than soda. Hell yes, <laughs> and they get to wear shorts. Yeah, and they get to wear shorts. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna do that. So I went to go try to work for Frito Lay, and uh, those guys didn't hire me. Then one of the competitors, Tom's Foods. Oh, Tom's, yeah. I went to go work for Tom's Foods for a while. And uh, I had the whole east side, which is cool. That is cool. Because, uh, you know, it's a lot of stores. And I think port- a lot more Tom supporters on the east side. Well, definitely. And the thing is, like, I, I did I did routes all over town, and poor people spend money, you know. They like you to think spend about, money? Or? Yeah, yeah. Poor people, they get off the bus, they get to go to the store, they get cigarettes, they get beer, mm-hmm. they get chips. 
Yeah. I, I don't blame him. I love you know? fucking chips. But you go into if you have a route on the on the west side of Austin, uh-huh. you know, it'd be like, uh, well, what do they buy? Yeah, they don't. They they, they, they just put their card in the pump. They have an Amex. And <laughs> they know? just sit there and they fill yeah. up and they're out of there. Yeah, they get their cigarettes from Sam's. Oh, you know? they don't buy chips. That's you know? terrible. Was literally, the best route was was the east east side route. Yeah, and it was it was grueling, but I learned uh, learned a lot about sales. You know and. Uh, uh, that was good for a while, and then after that, I um, I worked construction with a buddy, mm-hmm. and it was kind of cool because I mean he he liked to party a lot. Yeah, we we both liked to party. Is so this we, like mid twenties, late twenties? Yeah, point? it's like mid late twenties. Yeah, and uh, you know he liked to party, so uh, we basically we did enough jobs to where we could like work for a couple of weeks and then mm-hmm. party for a couple of weeks, <laughs> and I did that for like four or five years. I think they call those benders, Larry. <laughs> yes. Did yeah, you go it, on benders? It was pretty much. <laughs> no shit. What were you drinking at that point? What was yeah. your choice? Um, yes, uh, a lot of cognac. Oh, nice. Yeah, I drink a lot. I used to drink cognac out the bottle. I used to keep it in the freezer. A lot of cognac. Um, I moved to Jack Daniels. A lot of Crown. Crown. I drank Crown's a lot. huge. In, you know Texas is the largest market for Crown yeah. in the world? I guess that's why that makes other, some sense. That it's other company, like, you open that... that ground yes uh but yeah it's texas uh, crown what an embarrass- crown. embarrassment that's a it's embarrassment. but uh yeah check a lot of cognac a lot of crown you start seeing the wheels turn and like you start thinking about man i kind of like booze but i'm interested in it as a as a thing as a, as a as an art you know uh it was more actually what it what, what was more to for me was about was like people yeah, like I was always partying. I was just, you know, I was always just, you know, around a bunch of people and sort of in the scene and kind of seeing what was going on, right. and what was kind of current. Uh, it's just far as far as just parties, you know. I didn't, I didn't really go out a whole lot. Like back then, I would go out if I went out. It was like during a week, you know, yeah. go to the Ritz, dude. Go to the Ritz and places. That was pool. a great fucking place. <laughs> you know, worst one of the worst toilets ever. But oh, it was like terrible. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. Bad. But it was amazing. Like Ooh, just the, the, the vibe pool. of it. Yeah. I mean it's cool to see it turn into the draft house, but there's something kind of romantic. Did you ever go upstairs and see a show? Oh yeah. Yeah, I love that yeah. spot up there. We put I played up there a couple times. Yeah. It's like part you know, dude, there were so many great punk bands that Yeah, back in the day it was it was cool. So yeah. So, you know, then I I sort of started hanging out with people downtown and started getting the hookups from people downtown. Um and uh, I fell into the Belmont. One of my buddies, uh, he uh, he started working at the Belmont. Uh-huh. And um, this yeah. is the old version or new version? The old version. Yeah. This was in 2007. Okay. Yeah. This yeah, was yeah. my this was my introduction, because I was I was back then I was cooking. You know, like at well, this time you, I was on. Were you working business. as a chef or like? I wasn't working as a chef. You just like to cook. I just wanted to cook, and I wanted to teach myself everything. So I bought cookbooks and I and I just went through. What back. kind of stuff were you cooking? I love Italian food, so oh, I just wanted yeah. to learn everything Italian. Man, and so pizza, yeah. Oh, jeez. Sorry, I just keep pizza, raviolis, yeah. tomato sauce, amazing, like, badass tomato sauce from scratch. So then I was thinking, well, I want to cook. Yeah, you know. And so my buddy, my buddy started working at the Belmont, and I went down there one time, and he said, "Well, I need some door guys." And I was like, "Well, I want to cook." Yeah. He's like, well, maybe you can get your foot in the door. You know, yeah, be, for sure. Uh, you'd be a door guy, so I started doing that. And back in in 2007, the Belmont was the shit. Man. It was crazy. I remember going. Yeah, uh, I, I, it was an interesting spot then. It was awesome. So being the door guy, and I I quickly became head door guy. Yeah. 
because uh, I just you know was really just charismatic and good I, with I people, prefer, right? Really good with people. Kind of took over that position. I would. I actually think that we probably had met before during that period. I wouldn't I, be surprised. I went through the Belmont a lot. I wouldn't times. be surprised. I mean, I talked to everybody. Yeah. And uh, and um, so yeah, I did that for a while, and you know, I saw how much money the bartenders were making. Like back then, oh, the yeah. Belmont had lines around the corner. Yeah, it was insane. And there was nothing like it. There was no, there, no. Was, there was hardly any patio bars. Right. That was when the smoking van started. Yeah. So you could, you could, have, you could drink at a bar and smoke outside. It's one of the only places besides Shooter Street that you can do that. Right, right. Um, so, uh, so it was pretty big and the bartenders were making buku money. So you had to do it. And I was you had like, to transition over. I want to do that. <laughs> How can I get I can pour that? this thing and the other thing. Yes, let me do that. Yeah. And so they let me, uh, they let me, they let me bar back a little bit and they let me work like a brunch. That was like my initial, that was my introduction to bartending was working a brunch shift. Lots like, some Bloody Marys, I guess? Yeah. We, yeah. we set up the Bloody Mary bar. Right. Like, can you show up at 9 a.m.? How was that? Brunch shift was fucking awful. Because <laughs> you know? you'd be working the door the night before, yeah, right? Yeah, working the door the night before and we'd party till 4 a.m. Oh. <laughs> I had to get up in five hours, still drunk. But you were driven. That's good. Yeah. You still showed up. Oh, I showed up. I showed up. I worked my ass off. And then I, uh, you know, I, uh, I got to bar back some. And I started, you know, I started bar backing. And uh, like I said, back then, man, the bartenders were killing it. Yeah. Not uh, a lot of competition. Oh know? yeah, was, yeah. It was it was a lot. It was it was man. They were they were killing. It was it was so busy there. It, it'd be five deep every night. Yeah. And uh, when did it become kind of about? Because money's a good place to start for sure. But at yeah. some point, it's not enough. Well, yeah. As I, as I, um, yeah. When I moved up from bar back to to bartender, and as the Belmont got slower, it yeah. wasn't as busy anymore. Um, you know, that's when I started looking at. That's when I started getting trained a lot better. You know, yeah. we had we had some old school gunslingers. Like, sure. I, I mean, I still look up to some of those guys. Anybody like, still around that was working at the Belmont? Um, no, no. I mean, I, I this guy named Chief. He works mm-hmm. at Highlights, uh, Highlights Sports Bar that's out here somewhere. Oh yeah, Chief man. If you ever get a chance to go out there, He's a good guy. Go check out Chief. Yeah, man. he's a character. Chief, get the Chief corner. He. He he claimed he named the Larry Corner, you know. Yeah. Whenever oh, that's I, good. I'd, I'd get uh, a nice, good crowd going. I'd have people having a good time around. He'd say, "Hey, man, you got the Larry Corner." <laughs> you know, Chief. But Chief was a badass. He won Iron Bartender a couple times. No kidding. Really fast guy. It was a guy named Dave. It was a guy named Brad. Um, and uh, that I learned a lot from because those guys were, were fast. Yeah. Those guys were fast. functional. It's like yeah, functional and it. fast. Those are the guys I looked up to because they could be pouring five drinks. Five shots, taking an order over here, getting a girl's phone number over here. Never even, <laughs> never even sweat it, right? Doing the shot over here, yeah, and just murdering it. You know, uh, one of the busiest shifts I worked at the Belmont uh, was probably like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Mm. It was um, the Red Bull party. Oh shit! Um, it was a Friday, and yeah, the shift started at like three o'clock. Yeah, and uh, you know. By six o'clock, we were already five deep at the bar. Oh wow! And it was all a bunch of vodka Red Bulls, vodka Red Bulls, or whatever. And um, you know, by from like probably like from seven to midnight, we were ten deep the whole night. Mm. And it was probably, I mean, the Belmont 
holds 850 people. It's a pretty big There spot. must have been 1,200 people out Oh, there. wow. It was That's packed. crazy. Tom Morello was performing. Oh, no he was, shit. He was banging out so hard that the glasses were rattling. And we were just like banging out, just just. Man, I actually this. think I remember when he, yeah, when he was doing the solo thing, and I can't remember what it's called now, but, uh, it, I, but yeah, yeah, he was doing know. a doing some song, right, like writing songs outside of radio yeah. and stuff. And uh, uh, God, just, there was a guy that was uh, that was bartending with me on the patio. Everybody mm. had their own, you know, their own uh, register. And uh, gosh, I can't think of his name. He was bartending with me. He's a bartender from Vegas. And yeah. He was so fast. Yeah, yeah. And I was just trying to keep up with him. But uh, we rang, I don't know what, we rang 17 grand on that bar that, that night. Uh, he rang 9,500. I rang about 7,000. Wow. Uh, and I never seen a bartender move that fast. Yeah. I mean, just, have you seen it till that fast or that, that high since you've transitioned now? That's a lot of money, yeah. man. No, I mean, I, we, I walked with, I walked with $1,400 that night. That's, you know, that's I, crazy. We, we gave our bartender so much money. He kind of cried, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this, those guys like back then, like I just look up to that. You yeah. Know, that's the kind of bartender to look at. Look Is that up, the kind of guy to. you wanted to be? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, just that to, to, to be able to work at that skill level, because yeah. the thing is, is, you know, it's not about, it's not about how you make a drink to me. It's about how much you can make for your company or how much you can make for your yeah. establishment. How, what, what As you, an agent of the business. Yeah. What do you bring into the table? How right. valuable are you? Yeah. You know, so when it comes to like, if, if you're going to be in the weeds, oh, I want that guy. You yeah. Know, yeah. I want that guy behind the bar. So that's what I wanted to be. That's what I always wanted to the be. The go-to guy. With whatever I was doing. Yeah. Like, yeah whether yeah. I was a courier driver, delivery driver, convenience store guy, I wanted to be that valuable person to whatever business you I was think working. you achieved it so far i have yeah. i think so you got good you got good rapport you got good soft skills you can romance a crowd oh yeah <laughs> that's not that i particularly noticed like, yeah he can he can get you can get him in the palm of his hand oh yeah it's 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 been working it's been working yeah, yeah so i got into i got into you know as i when i eventually became bar manager at the belmont and mm-hmm. I started creating cocktail menus and I started reading about, you know, even when I first started bartending, I started reading bartending books yeah. and started learning about spirits a little bit. Uh, but it wasn't until I got to the to, to Pesce. When did you, you head over there? Like uh, two, 2009? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I did mean, it change your world? Cause it's a, I'm sorry. It was, it had to be 2011. It's a little bit later. But still, it's like a yeah. total shift, right? It's a huge bar, big one of the biggest selections in town. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had you know I had a, I had a pretty big inventory at uh, had a pretty big inventory at the Belmont, mm-hmm. but it yeah it definitely wasn't the same. Uh, but you know I sat down with Rob, yeah, and I sat down with Dwayne Clark, mm-hmm. and those guys challenged me. They were like, you know, we're looking for somebody that can look at all of this stuff back here and learn about all of it and, yeah. and preach the gospel of what we do here. Yeah, classic cocktails, spirits, learn everything about it. Like they challenged me to learn, and so I took that challenge. And like the first, I'll tell anybody. I used to tell you know people that I trained. The first yeah. two years I was at Pesce, I studied every night no for kidding. at least an hour about spirits. I looked on websites. I avoided Wikipedia because yeah. it kind of it's, it's interesting. It's not so subjective <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's subjective. But I I looked on websites. I read books. I I wanted to learn everything there was about spirits. I wanted to learn more than those guys. Yeah, because I learned. From the those gunslingers, like you know, it's, it's kind of you got to try to be better than those guys. So yeah. I wanted to learn more than Dwayne Clark and more than Rob Pate. 
about spirits. And that's when I really got into bourbon and I, you know, really got attached to bourbon. What is it about? I know why I'm attached to bourbon. What What is it about bourbon to you that is, I, so, it's so resonant, so yeah. deep and just like so lovely. I love American history. Yeah. And it's so deeply ingrained in American history. Well, you know, Absolutely. Elijah Craig. Yeah, yeah. So the bottle that you picked, which is, is a great, I mean, Elijah Craig, dude, you yeah. know, did the 20 year, the 18 year, the 12 year, 20 years, a little bit, yeah. a little weird. You don't get to find it so much. Right. But you've picked the 23 year, which this is what? This is 46, I'm thinking, 45, 46 yeah. percent alcohol. Heaven Hill fucking killing it. Oh, and yeah. this one is a totally different texture than any of their other it stuff, is. you know? It is. It's just, it's just good. And just, you know, does it take you someplace? Is it transformative? Or sorry, transportative, as some people say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just to, to you know, takes you back in time and yeah. in history. I mean, that's that's what I loved about I love about bourbon. It's like when I started reading about the history of bourbon. Yeah. And you know, you think about the whiskey rebellion and, and how you know Bourbon right. County was created. You know, after the war, and, and uh, you know, the corn and all of these things. You know, and how deeply ingrained it is in American history. The Bottom and Bond Act of eighteen ninety seven. Absolutely, yeah. And all of these things, I was just like, wow, this is cool. I want to learn everything there is about bourbon. This is, you know, and this is the way I always phrase it because I love bourbon. There's something about bourbon. I love mezcal kind of the same way, yeah. but I love mezcal because it is the land, and I love bourbon because it is the the environment. True. It's the political environment. Yeah. It's the actual environment itself, and the weather, and all that, and right. climate. It's not as much the ingredients. To right. be perfectly honest, now there's a blend, and like how you. You blend your whiskeys and how you distill them, but not in the bare bones kind of gritty way that mezcal. But I think that bourbon is the true American spirit. It's it the, the thing we've offered to the world. It's like jazz. It is. The, the uniquely American contribution. Well, even its contributions, the, the, the taxes, you know, few paid for a lot of wars. Yeah. Or even like the, the soldiers were given their stanchions of, of a bourbon, you know. God, if we to go get to a final one of those, the soldier ration. <laughs> yeah, the rations, you know. Uh, uh, just that, those ways, it was deeply ingrained in American history. Yeah. You know, think about the Bottle and the Bond eight, uh, Act of 1897 that started truth in advertising. Yeah. And, he, uh, like, taking American art as seriously, like, yeah. right? The, that you have to have so many rigid rules in place to make an alcohol. Yeah. Exactly. To take alcohol seriously, yeah. the government supporting it. <clears throat> Think about how different that is. Right. Now. Like we don't we don't respect it the same way now. Right. It's not the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I respect mezcal in that same way. Is that because I love terroir? Yeah. When it comes to, yeah. to wine, but with bourbon, it's it's it was all about the, you know, the political environment. Yeah. And all these things, you know. You taste it, and you taste the like. This is twenty three, so this takes us back to ninety five, ninety one ish. Yeah. This I don't know why, but it reminds me of the nineties. It really does. I don't know something about it. There's yeah. there's no way I could justify that scientifically, but it's transportative, and I, I love that part of it. I mean, it's just it's a great spirit. And then when you go to to Kentucky, yeah, which you just were there la- yes. last week, right? Yes. Or this week? Uh, uh, gosh, at the beginning of beginning of beginning, beginning of the month, right? Yeah. yeah. What were you doing in Kentucky? Not that you need any reason to hang out <laughs> in Kentucky, but well, you know, so we had a thing. Uh, we being Angels Envy, right? Yeah, and with Angels Envy, actually, we so you know Bourbon Heritage Month was in September, mm-hmm. and uh, so back then we uh, we had a promo. It was uh, it was a Toast the Trees promo. What's, so okay, tell every, me, yeah, tell so me. So every so whenever someone posted a picture with the hashtags eight pound AE for the trees mm-hmm, in September, mm-hmm. we were going to plant a tree for every mm. for every post. Um, you know, oak tree. 
oak Presumably, yeah. Worth up to $10,000 worth of trees. I oh, that's crazy. How many trees is that, by the way? I don't Not know. Not specifically. Hundreds of trees, right? A lot. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so they, they has basically had a contest for, for all of us whiskey guardians. Um, whoever did the most events in September would win a trip to Louisville. Oh, cool. To go tour the, the distillery construction yeah. site. Sure, where they're, they're building. Because yeah. they broke ground. Yeah. The still's in yet? Uh, no, not the, yet. The They're still building the yet. kind of the frame, right? The fermentation tanks are in. Those are all. And, are uh, they using stainless or oak? Yeah, stainless. Know. Stainless, cool, cool. Um, the, those are in, but the stills, the stills were going to be put in. Probably, probably be putting in right pretty now. soon. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we had a contest. Whoever did the most events could go to go to Louisville. Nice. Go hang out with uh, with Wes Henderson, Kyle Henderson, yeah, and Kevin Curtis, who is the master distiller. So. Uh, so yeah, so I was one of the ones that did a lot of events. So that's crazy, um, that's great. You have a good time out there. Oh man, it was awesome. So we flew in on Monday morning. We went to go to the the Rick House, and we we did plant a tree. Not we really. Plant, that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. We actually did plant a tree. Yeah. And then uh, we went to the Rick House. Uh, the Rick House is in Shively. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's five stories high. It, How's the smell? Oh man, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you saw my picture. Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's nothing like being in the Rick House. It's nothing like it. It's intoxicating, it's awesome. almost literally. Yeah, I'm sure, it's right? awesome. Uh, and this and this one was built in 1946. So yeah, you're walking into history. You know, it's amazing. And a World War II right there. Yeah, exactly. So my parents were born in yeah. both of them 46. My Very parents, important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My parents, my parents were born in like 50 and 52. Uh, so it's a it's a different period, you know. Yeah. Do you you know? And it's interesting when you talk about. Blanco or Kerrville or Luling, do you get that same kind of just true, like you said honorable, do you get a lot of honorable people in yeah. Kentucky? I feel like you would because they've oh, got yeah. something to stand for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it's deep. You can see it in, in the way the people talk and the, you know, the way they carry themselves. Yeah. You know, it's, I love history. I love American history. Right. You know, I, I, I'm, and being from Albany. You know, Albany's like a really old city. It's, yeah, it you know, is. Industrial town, right? Uh, not it super is, industrial. No. It's not a whole lot going on. It's a capital. Capital, yeah. You know, there's a lot of state offices there, you know. But it's, it was founded as a city in 1636. Oh, wow. You know, That's there's a lot of... Crazy old. Old state buildings. You know, uh, the capital, if you ever if you ever look at the capital, it looks like an uh, English building. It was built mm-hmm. in the 1700s. And the capital is connected to all these state buildings. And there's like... You know, there's like three levels underground. There's oh, secret wow. underground levels, and so it looks regal, doesn't it? It looks really, really cool. You yeah. know, it's just Louisville has Louisville has some of that, the really old history that's yeah. on on Main Street. Uh, it has some really old history. Old foresters building their distillery, or uh, uh, building a maybe it's a visitor center. Yeah, right yeah. downtown on one of the historic uh, areas. The building that we're uh, building in is a historic building. It used to be an old paint building. Oh wow, couple stories, uh, I guess. Yeah, 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 but yeah, you can you can see it in all that, you know, just just the way people care of themselves, themselves, you know, yeah. you can tell places that have old history, you know. So, bourbon is a real interesting thing right now, too. And God forbid, I use the word hot, but people are going crazy over this yeah. shit. Do you? What do you? How do you feel about like the real hyped up bourbons? Some of them are absolutely worth it. Like this isn't actually, but none of the Heaven Hill stuff's particularly hyped up. It's right. kind of under the radar, and we like good. us. It's, it's good for me. I can still more. get the bottles, <laughs> yeah, you know, for like exactly. retail. Uh, but how do you feel about the whole Pappy Mania thing? Um, you know, it's uh, 
it's cool. It's, you know, obviously it sucks, you know, being a bourbon snob like I am. Yeah. You know, when people used to walk into to, to Peche and, you know, ask for Pappy and it's like, you know, it, you saw the the evolution of it being bourbon snobs to just being bros. Snobs. Yeah. You know, some bros walking. You got that Pappy, bro. Yeah. Right. They saw it in a Ryan. And I love Ryan Gosling, but they saw it in a Ryan Gosling movie. There's, <laughs> so there's this particular memory that comes to mind in some movie and I can't remember what it is. I've seen it and I don't remember the name of it, but Ryan Gosling's in a movie with Steve Carell. He coaches Steve Carell how to be a player, right? Because Steve yeah. Carell's recently divorced, recently separated. So anyway, Ryan Gosling sleeps with some girl and right on his dresser, Pappy 20. Yeah. And I'm like, not even Ryan Gosling can get a fucking bottle of this stuff. <laughs> That's like so insane. But it's, yeah. it's, there's something behind it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, it's good in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, because people are getting into bourbon. Which is good. Uh, it just when you know when people are you know paying ridiculous amounts for Pappy Twenty. You know how much Stag goes for this year, George T. Stag. I don't want. Which know. normally you, you back in the day you could have got it for eighty bucks retail. Sure. Yeah. The stuff is up to five hundred bucks right oh, now. Man. Isn't that it's insane? A, it's yeah. great bourbon for sure. Right, but it doesn't then, cost that much. Yeah, Pappy Van Winkle Rye now is like eleven hundred bucks. Oh, it's, like, it's insane. It's it or Van Winkle Family Reserve Rye. Yeah. So, but I'll put my, my grievances and my stress about trying to maintain a nice collection to share with everybody. Sure. But you're headed off to Bern now. Yeah. And from the sound of it, you've got an Italian trained chef, which is funny because now it all kind of ties together your particular interest in yeah. cooking, particular interest in Italian cuisine. I love pizza and pasta. What do you, yeah, oh, dude, who doesn't like pizza and pasta? What what are you doing over there? Are you manage GM? Or are you just doing yeah. barbecue? I'm just bartending, man. I'm just yeah. bartending. Keeping it simple. It's 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 easy. Uh, you know, it's a real it's a real fun environment. Yeah, and so Burn is what you said behind Whistler. Yeah, it's right behind Chacon Whistler. and Sixth. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixth and Chacon. Um, there's a there's a good amount of spirits back there to where I can have fun and make cocktails. But there's also a decent wine selection, a decent cool. beer selection. It's yeah, which cool. is great with, yeah. with pasta and stuff. You guys have Amaris, a bunch of Amaris as well, I imagine. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely have a lot of Amaris and Italian liqueurs. And, oh, man. You know, yeah, I have, fun, I have some fun stuff to play with back I there. Bet. Some Zoos and some Cassoni, Aperitivo. Yeah, there's That's some fun good. stuff. What did you have a traditional shot back there? Imagine you're kind of thinking about Because it's like you eat a pizza or you eat some pasta. They're, those meals are not cemented any better than with an Amari. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's such a nice thing Definitely. to eat. Well, we make a house-made limoncello. So oh, do you really? Yeah. Oh, cool. So yeah, we do. We do limoncello shots over there. Lemoncello, limoncello shots yeah. <laughs> instead of limoncello shots. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good, man. I, you know, we've touched. I've I've been known you for too long, but a couple years now, and you know, I equate you to bourbon knowledge. I equate you to a guy that can really light up a crowd, and I can't wait to see. I mean. I think the Angels Envy thing is going to be really good for you. I mean, you got to plant a tree, you got to head out there. Oh yeah, you know. No, that's that's kind of like what I what I've stepped into that lane. Yeah. You know, like I, you know, I've been I helped open the Townsend. You know. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was over there for a little while. Oh, cool. Sort of helped helped them open that. Yeah. Uh, You know, helped open the burn over here, but in the meantime, I'm just building up my, you know, my, you know my uh, skill set your portfolio skill set for as far as you know being a brand ambassador yeah and having fun with that like, you know i have some cool events planned for a uh, san antonio cocktail conference oh very good uh doing a bar takeover at last word because wes henderson's doing a panel if i recall wes right anderson, he yeah. hosts a panel yeah uh, henderson yeah. i said wes anderson is so easy <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're both artful it's like hard to yeah so i got yeah i actually have more time to to 
do that and yeah. sort of leave my legacy in the bourbon world. What it, what it, you know, 20 years from now, what's that legacy look like? Do you want, do you want to distill? Do you want a, a Larry label? Man, I want to distill, but there's so many things I want to do too, you know, but, uh, uh, I do want to, I do want to distill and I do want to have yeah. my own label. Um, but you know, ultimately I'm a father and, uh, you know, I want to, I, I just want to, you know, train, teach my kids to be good people, good, yeah. honorable people. We've well, worked know. hard. I mean, it's a good and, lesson and, to... And really good, honorable Texans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what I want to teach my kids. That's I want amazing. my kids to be one of those people where if someone, you know, 20 years from now was to come from New York and not know anything about Texas, they meet one of my kids. They get it. They, they have respect. I say, you know what? I like this place. Yeah. You know? That's a great... God, God forbid I say noble, but that's a great lesson to set. And it seems like you've worked your way long way through this this industry man and yeah it, it's good i love it like you don't know what to expect you sat down and chat with me i really appreciate it it's been a great chat man yeah, no problem man i, I uh, appreciate it hopefully we can drink more bourbon together larry thanks so oh, much yeah. for chatting with me all right thank you thanks mike well there we have it everybody larry miller the second the first second i've had on the show i know that sounds confusing but to me it's kind of exciting Larry's lived a film of a life, you know? If this was something that Scorsese directed or that Steven Spielberg directed, I would watch this. This is a riveting narrative all the way from Harlem to Georgia to Florida to Texas. A lot of stories, a lot of interesting social dilemmas, if you will. But Larry's been nothing but cordial to me, sharing the cask strength Angels Envy Bourbon at the Four Seasons this year for the Whiskies of the World competition exhibition, whatever you want to call it. But Larry, thanks so much for meeting with me. You have an amazingly interesting story, man. And there's some things that we we shared off off mic, if you will, too, that are just truly touching. So I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast, and I hope that you're getting it in the way that you want to, whether it's on your phone or your computer. I'm just going to keep doing it, whether you listen or not. It's quite an enjoyable thing for me. So Entering the holiday season, everybody. I'll see you soon. And thanks for listening to Show to V with Mike G. Please keep dancing. <laughs>